This is the Big Church Podcast. And I just want to thank, thank all you fathers out there, all you grandfathers, all you stepfathers, all you father figures. You really know what you're doing in someone's life. So I just want to thank you all, and we honor you today. And if you're watching online, we honor you out there right now. We're so glad that, that you are being that influence that your kids need. So uh, just give it, come on, give every one of the fathers in here a hand clap. Come on. Dad, if you're watching, I don't know if you are or not, but I'm going to tell a funny story because me and my dad are a little bit alike. And everybody that knows me knows that I like a nap. Right? Well, my dad likes a nap, too. And funny story about me yesterday, we were, uh, we were all in there, and the baby, grandbaby came down, and we were so happy. But I got tired about 5 o'clock, so I went out into the thrift store, and I laid back on one of those recliners, and I was, like, out for about 20 minutes, and the dogs came out there and started barking. I was like, okay, I got to wake up now. But funny story is my mom and dad went to Walmart, and that used to be my mom's favorite place, Walmarts. She'd say, Walmarts. And so they went to Walmart, and my mom was looking around. My dad hated to shop. I don't really like to shop either. But she couldn't find him for like almost 45 minutes after the shopping. She was like looking all over the place like, where in the world is he at? Well, she went back into the lawn and garden section, if you know where I'm going with this. And he was laying in one of, I think he was laying in one of those hammock-type things, chairs that went back. And she said he was asleep like this, asleep. And so that is a funny joke. That's a funny story about my dad because we are a lot alike. But we're here this morning, and just let me be honest, being a father is challenging, right? It's all new. Some of you new fathers out there, you're trying to figure all this out. You know, you're starting out by changing all these dirty diapers, and, and you're trying to get, you know, after the first child, you don't wash your hands as much after the second or third or fourth, Right? Come on, there's things that happen that change a little bit after that first one. But you know, you're getting a lot less sleep, and you got the terrible twos, threes, fours, five, and then you're like, is this thing ever going to end? Do they ever get better? And then they get in middle school. Oh, I got some parents shaking their heads at me right now. They get in middle school, and then they think they know everything, right? That's when they got the world all figured out. And then here's the thing. They go to high school, but here's the thing that really gets me is you watch these kids grow up so fast. You know, uh, Kenny Chesney sings a song, Don't Blink. And just like that, man, your baby girl's getting in a car and she's taking off. And, and it seems like, man, you were just changing her diapers. You were just doing those things that you've always done. But so I just, I want to let you know, don't blink because there are so many things that you could miss if you blink on your kids. The inspiration for this message came, we were we were uh, out to dinner with John and Shauna. Wasn't John awesome last week or what? Oh, I mean, awesome. And we were out to dinner with them, and I went to the bathroom. When I came back, there was, I guess there was a conversation happening over in the table by them, and he started talking to them, and they were talking about God. And this one person, I think, was trying to convince all three of these other people that God's real or if the Bible's real or something like that, because I missed it. But they were talking about God, and, and sometimes we ask those questions, you know, some of the most important things, we ask the question is, do you believe in God? But I think a more important question is, what kind of a God do you believe in? You can ask people, do you believe in God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of times, you, you want to understand, what kind of a God do you believe in? Because there's nothing worse than being an atheist, you know? But there is, I'm sorry, there is something worse than being an atheist. It's believing in God, but having an incorrect concept of who God is. And seeing him, you know, 
one of those things, we can also look, we also have run into that when we have a distorted view of God. So many of us have a distorted view of God because of the way we were raised, because of our fathers in our lives. And, and the things, we, we look at that and we try to compare God as God the Father to our earthly fathers. But I'll tell you this much right now, our earthly fathers are human, they're flesh, they've made mistakes, they've done things wrong. But a lot of times it does, it makes us have a bad image or concept of who God really is. So I'm going to ask you, how do you see God? Do you see God as the scorekeeper God? He's up there keeping track of everything you do. Anybody see God that way sometimes? You know, he's up there, he's got his tally marks up there. He's trying to make sure I do everything right. Do you see God as the drill sergeant? You know, the one that's up there, he's mean and he's scary and he's ready to beat you over the head all the time. Or do you see God as someone who's out there instead of thinking God who's personal? Or do you see God as a buffet God? You go to him when you want to you pick this and you want this and you want that and that. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen with God. But also we see God as unapproachable too. We've seen him as the president. He's got, he don't have any time to hear what I've got to say. Surely there must be something else going on that he does the big stuff only to God. But what is God really like? Many churches, probably not ours, but many churches have sang good, good father this morning. I requested it, they, they turned me down. But there's probably a ton of churches out there singing Good, Good Father this morning. But do you really understand what that means? Today, we're gonna talk to, I'm gonna take you down the road of talking about God as our Father. We got Jesus here, and he's talking to a bunch of sinners, he's talking to a bunch of tax collectors, he's also talking to the Pharisees in this crowd, and he's telling them a parable. A parable is a story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He's telling these stories to him. But let me just tell you something. Some people, Jake said this in the preaching meeting, some people think the Bible is nothing but a bunch of stories. Yes, God did illustrate with stories and parables and things like that. But the Bible is God's word flat out. So many times we need to read it more literal. Um, that's another message in itself. We need to read it just like we're reading and being the word of God. Everyone in Jesus' audience had their own kind of belief in who God was. He was explaining to everyone in the crowd in this parable that you are valuable. It says he came to seek and to save everyone out there. In the first parable, he talks about going after the one sheep. The 99 were still there, but he went after the one that went out and got in trouble. And it also talked about the woman looking for the coin in the house, and she swept the whole house, and she was happy when she found the coin. But in this story, he's presenting a picture of who God the Father is. In this story, he, the sinners and the tax collectors, they were disconnected from God. You know what? The Jews thought them as less than. They thought that there was no way the Gentiles could ever have God because they thought they had the inside track on God. But what they did, they disconnected and they really did not know who God was. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they were trying to approach God on their own strength. They thought they had it all together. They thought they knew had all the knowledge. They thought they had, they were doing their works overtime. And let me just tell you, when you try to do it in your own strength, it's never attainable. You'll always fail when you try to do it on your own. But here's Jesus presenting a father in a different way, in a father who is willing to meet us right where we are at. Number one, a good father is available. Luke 15, 11. And then he said to them, then he said, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his living. Fathers today are the providers, they're the breadwinners, they're the ones that are, they're, and being a provider is really challenging right now in this, in this time. Wouldn't you say that? We live in such a culture and in such a material world that what we see and what we hear and what we experience is more, 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 and more. And what happens here is if you're not careful when you do that with your own kids, you're going to end up like this son right here. I'd look at the son. He's an entitled little brat. Anybody know of any entitled little brats? Not, surely not in this room. Oh, man, I got some hands going up here. We're going to have to pray later. But he goes to his dad and he says, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. You know, when you think about an inheritance, you usually don't get an inheritance until after the death of your father. So basically, he's going to his dad and he's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, I want what you have now. Just very disrespectful. But I'm telling you what, even though, we had, even though we've treated God that way too, you might say, how did I do that? You only go to God when you need something. You're not grateful for how good he has been, and you're selfish with your time and your talent and your treasure. Even though we've done all of those things, listen, look what happens. The Father is still available to us. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God made himself available through Jesus Christ. And with Jesus, here's what Jesus did. He made himself available at the end. He tells his disciples, I'm about to go somewhere. I'm about to, I'm about to move out. I'm going back to heaven. But what I'm gonna do for you is I'm gonna make the Holy Ghost, I'm gonna make the Holy Spirit available to you. Why? So you can have comfort. So you can be taught things. You can be, I can reveal things to you. I can encourage you things through the Holy Spirit. So God was available in that. We have to be available to our kids, even when they act up, even when they say hurtful things, even when, you, even when they don't always get it right. We have to be available to our kids, and we have to model what we want to do as the Heavenly Father's model. Look in Deuteronomy here. This is the Old Testament. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them. Listen. Repeat them again. And again, and again, and again. So many times we have to keep repeating. How many times have you not learned something after the first time? You just have to keep getting it repeated into your spirit. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk to them when you are at home and when you are at the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. When fathers, listen to me, this is scientifically. Scientifically, that's not even a word. That is a word, but it's not the right word. When fathers are actively involved with their children, their children do better. A study shows, listen, I read this. This, this really got me. A study shows that dads or fathers that will hold their babies, I'm not much on holding a newborn baby, you know, because they're kind of just, they're there, you know. When they, get a, when they get a little bit older, you know, you just start smiling. Funny story, I'm going to tell you this. To, I, I don't care, I'm going to tell you anyway. So I had only seen Cade, from like when he was born and when he was about three weeks old. So they get out of the car out there and 
he's in the car seat and he is dead asleep. So they go on in the thrift store and I set him on the table and I'm just looking at him. And um, so all of a sudden something startles him and he looks up at me and as soon as his eyes open, he does this, he goes, it made my day. Listen, I don't know if I would have reacted that way if I woke up and saw something like me staring at me. So he, started, he laughed at me. He cackled. It was, it, was, it was priceless. But a study shows that dads and fathers holding their babies and holding their young children has great benefits for that, ch for that child. We have to be available, and we have to spend time together with our kids. Quality time is more important than quantity of time. So many times we have a quantity of time, but we're watching the football game, or we're watching uh, our phone, or TikTok, or... Never mind. Or you're doing something that's not really there. You're in the room, but you're really not available. Our children need us to listen to them. They need our attention. They need us to focus on what they're saying. I think so many times we just tune things out as we're going along. We need to be available to our kids. A good father is, number two, let's go in love. This is a hard one. The father is available and he's generous without being controlling. He gave this boy, this spoiled brat little boy, he gave him his inheritance. What in the world was he thinking? But here's the thing. There was a totally new concept of God. This was a God who was all powerful, had all authority, but yet he, gave, he gives us and gave us free will. Nobody ever thought that. They thought God's in control. But also, God wants us to be in control of some things in, in our own lives, too. That's why he wants us to have free will. He knew, here's what happened. He knew that boy was probably going to make a big mistake. He knew that boy was probably going to make a bad choice. But he sees in his child that he's already made up his mind. You ever look at your kid and you know that... They've already made up their mind. No matter what you say, you're not going to talk them out of it. You can try, but it's not going to work. Anybody got any of those out there? I've made up my mind. I'm doing this. He looked at his son, and he said, this guy's already made up his mind. So he says, but sometimes we have to just let them go. Sometimes we've got to let them make their own choices and their own mistakes. And, and the best lessons you could ever learn sometimes is the ones you have to learn. Man, that's about two hours of talking right there in my life. And here's another thing. We can become too overprotective and too sheltering of our kids. You know, I think a lot of times we, we try to hold on so tightly, and there's nothing wrong with loving your kids, but there's sometimes we hold on so tightly and so thin, that, that man, we just can't let go of that thing. And then when they get out into the real world, they're like, what in the world is all of this? I've never seen any of this. I think sometimes we gotta be able to allow them to do some things in their life that's gonna bring some real life lessons to them too but also watch over them too. Luke 15. Here, here what we can do basically is this. We have to just tell them our experiences. The best thing you can do, and I've told this one time, why do you do youth ministry? I don't know why God called me to do that, but he did it 10 years ago. But I think it's to be able to say, listen, you're about to make a choice. And this choice is bad. Not that I'm telling you it's bad. I'm telling you it's bad because I made it. I did it, so it didn't work out for me. I can promise you that it will not work for you. Sometimes you just have to be available to them. A good father is an influencer. 
It says, not many days after that in Luke 13. Sorry, I'm off there a little bit. The younger son gathered everything together and he journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions in prodigal living. Number three, a father is, good father is an influencer. Luke 15, 14, I'm gonna read this. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him out into the fields to feed the swine. And would he have gladly have filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. This son was a mess. He had wasted everything that his dad had given to him. He'd lost everything. He had hit the rock bottom of his life. He was sitting in the pig pen of life. But listen what this father does. Unlike the owners of the lost sheep, unlike the owners of the, of the coin, he does not go to look for the son. They were sweeping the house. They were out looking for the one that got out. But this father stayed at home. He allowed his son to make his own way home. He is relying, listen, on the fact that he was a good influence on his son. He's relying on the fact that he did raise him right. He's relying on the fact that he did something right while he was bringing him up. That's why it's so important right now that we take our kids to church. That's why it's so good, important that we teach them about God. You know, I grew up in church, and I went to church eight days a week. Anybody ever go to church eight days a week? People get mad when you go to church one Sunday a month. Sorry. We, we were in church every, almost every single day. And what that did to me is that started a pattern of teaching. Look what Proverbs 22, 6 says. It says, train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, this verse assures us that if we train up our children in the word and the ways of God, those things will be ingrained into their lives. It don't promise that they won't go. It doesn't promise they won't run. It doesn't promise they won't try to do something silly out there. But what it does, it's so entrenched when you train up a child, it's so entrenched in their life that they don't ever forget it. I can tell you times right now that I remember everything. I remember what I learned in Sunday school. Anybody remember what they learned in Sunday school? Anybody remember those times when, when, when you, you thought, when the teacher probably thought you weren't paying attention? But listen, I can quote things to you that I did when I, when I was in the third or fourth grade. Okay, here we go. Squirrel. This verse assures us that if we train them, it'll be ingrained in their lives. It doesn't promise they won't run. The son was far from home, but listen to this. The father's influence and training is still there. The son held on to the father's influence. I'm going to show you why. Even though he was broke, even though he was down and out, even though, even though everything was lost to him, he doesn't resort to robbery. He doesn't resort to stealing. He doesn't resort to, to cheating anybody out of anything. He doesn't resort to selling drugs on the street. He still remembered that his father raised him the right way. The father's influence caused him to get a J-O-B instead of feeling sorry for himself. He witnessed the good work ethic in the dad, and he was tempted to eat with the pigs. He was tempted. He said, I want to eat that. But in Jewish culture, let me tell you something. You don't be messing around with no pigs. You don't raise them. You don't eat them. You don't even be around them. 
There was something that his father influenced him to, to develop a line in his life that he just would not cross. There are some things right now, men and dads right now, that if you'll grain it in your kids right now, there'll be a time they won't go across that line because they'll remember you said that. He was sitting there. Man, he was hungry. He'd lost everything. And it was so tempting to eat that thing. But he said, no, I'm not crossing that line. I'm not going over there. The father's influence also caused him to remember who he was. The father's influence caused him to take responsibilities for his actions and to make some needed changes. Dads, fathers, even mothers out there, even though St. Mother's Day, you were an influence on your child. You are, you are teaching them one way or you're teaching them the other way. Let's look at Luke 15, 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He said, I'll arise and I'll go to my father and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of the servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Listen, here's the bud. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Dads, never give up on your kids. Never give up on your kids. Even though you want to give up on them, don't do it. That dad sat there every day and he had hope for the future. He sat there every day saying, my son is coming home. I'm ready for him to come home. He, even though the son treated him like dirt, he was still praying for him. He was still watching over him. Come on, we gotta pray for our kids even when they're out there acting silly. Luke 15, 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The dad had every right to go, hmm, yeah, right. The dad had every right to turn his back on him. The dad had every right to drive him off the property and just say, you're no longer welcome here. And, or he had every right to make him start over as a servant to teach him a lesson. But let me tell you, number four, a good father is forgiving. Luke 15, 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe. Bring it and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring out the fatted calf. We're here to kill it. Let us eat and be merry. The word prodigal means extravagant. It means reckless. It means without limits. The father's extravagant love starts to unfold with every movement that he makes. He runs to him. He doesn't care if it's shameful in that culture to run. He probably pulled his robe up to run. He didn't care what he looked like. He ran to the son because he was so happy to see him coming home. The kiss means he was back in fellowship. He had been restored. He kissed him and he wasn't shamed about it. The ring means his position of authority in the family was restored. Listen, can I just tell y'all something? Your kids are still your kids. You might, they're still your kids. You gotta love them through a lot of things sometimes. But sometimes you gotta let them go and learn their own, uh, their own way back. The robe means the father had him covered and shoes mean that he's not a servant, he's a son. But what I love about the fatted calf is they got to do some grilling and some chilling right there. Here's the thing. I had to get that in there somewhere. 
They got to do some grilling and chilling. But here's the thing about this. A fatted calf was prepared in advance. The dad started, he started preparing this calf from the day the son left. He said, oh, hey, hey, go out there and give that calf a little extra corn and give it a little bit of whatever they feed a calf. I'm not a farmer. But, <laughs> but I want you to get him fat because one day my son is coming home. The party meant that he was back in the family. And listen, these are all signs of restoration because forgiveness, listen to me, would be empty without restoration. You can forgive, but if you're not able to... to and listen, that's not something you can do sometimes just like that. Don't, don't let me tell you, hey, forgive me. Okay, I forgot. No. Restoration takes some time to come back around. Restoration takes some, some healing and some talking to come back around. But he was ready for restoration. He experienced, the son, experienced the full measure of the father's mercy and his grace. And listen, another definition of prodigal is to lavish. It means to bestow something in generous portions on someone. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that, he should be, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. I want you to understand, he had to, he had to convince this boy that he was still his son. He had to convince him, and that's what God's trying to convince us. We are children of the Most High. Do you know that? You're sitting in here and you're royalty because you are somebody, you're, you're God's child. You have a good father too. In this parable, Jesus is talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. And you know what they represent? They represent the prodigal son. They are the ones that are the outside, and Jesus is trying to get them to come on to the inside. But listen, he's also talking to the Pharisees who, who um, represent the other brother in this particular one. There's another son that comes, and he gets mad when the son comes home. And he's like, I've stayed here with you the whole time. I've always done everything right, and yet you've never thrown a party for me. And jealousy and pride and anger and a bad attitude made him forget that he was already in the house. It made him forget that he was always with the father. It made, but that's what the Pharisees thought. They, they were looking down their nose. Then they thought they had a great position. They thought they were the insiders. They went to church and they read the Bible and they knew all the laws. But in reality, they were just as lost as the prodigal son. In this story, Jesus is conveying that I am bridging the gap. He says in these stories, he says, I came for everyone. There are no outsiders. There are no insiders. He came for the whosoevers. That's what John 3, 16 says. I said, whosoever believes. That doesn't mean what color you are. or, or, or It doesn't mean anything. It means the whosoevers. Everyone is invited to this party. He said he came to save us. It caused the father a lot of pain. He had to give up his son. Maybe you feeling the pain of the father. Maybe your son or your daughter may be distant from you. Maybe you've had a disagreement with them and maybe they've rebelled and maybe they're just in sin out there right now. If that's your kids, God understands your pain and what you're feeling and you need to take it to him. You may have kids in the pig pen of life right now. Don't jump in the pig pen with them. 
So many times they're in that place and we wanna run to them and we wanna rescue them and we wanna jump into the muck and into the mire. And how many of us have ever been in that trouble? You get into their mess and it makes your life a mess. I know this is a little bit hard. You may not be able to run and rescue them. Don't jump in, let them go sometimes. The son, he had to realize. He had, he had to realize he'd made a mistake. He had to realize that he was in the pig pen and it would have to cause repentance to come to him. Sometimes you gotta just get to a bad and to a low place where you know you, there's no place other to go than up. But I'm telling you this morning, we gotta be available. You gotta let your kids know that the door is open. You gotta be an influencer. And listen, maybe you've not been the best influence in their life. There's, there's time to turn that around. Maybe I've not been the best of this, but there is time to do it. And also be forgiving. Never slam the door. Let them know like Motel 6, you'll always leave the light on for them whenever they're ready to come home. So, so parents of prodigals, just keep believing in them. Keep praying for them. Keep going after them. Keep being available for them. My, I must be a little vulnerable. My, my mom and dad raised me in a Christian home. I went to church every day, seemed like. And... I learned all that stuff, but there was something missing. There was something missing in my household. There was the aff affection. There was things that, that didn't do, like if you're hugging and kiss, I, I strongly ask you to hug and kiss your kids when you get the opportunity. I strongly suggest to you, you read them a story and, and, you, and you tell, there was something missing, but you know what, I'm not blaming my mom and dad. They did the best that they could. But I'm telling you, there was something missing that was probably missing from them from a child too. There was that lack of affection that totally affected me and still affects me sometimes to this day. Listen, I've never won Father of the Year. I've not always been available. I've not always been a good influence. I've made some bad mistakes with my kids. But even if you fail or you feel like a failure, you gotta start building your relationship back up with God and having him teach you how to do those things. Listen, no better example is our heavenly father. And so many times, and I'm guilty of this, so many times I don't, I don't look at it as that way I, and I try to make excuses for it. Or I try to, but listen, if God is our model and you get that relationship back with him, let him show you how to do it. Even if you're far away from your kids, Remember this, you used to be far away from God, but he pulled you close with Jesus. He made a way to bring you back home. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand if they would. And we're gonna sing a song, but here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Even if you're far away from your kids, keep praying for them. Dads, I'm gonna ask you, we're about to sing this song, and I would ask you, men are a little bit harder to get out of their comfort zone, so get out of your comfort zone, and I want you to meet me around this altar. We're gonna worship together. Come on, come on. All dads, up here, because I'm gonna pray over you after this is over. Lights are off. You're, you're up here up front, but... There are prayer people over here that can pray for you. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need restoration. 
Maybe you just need a new start. Man, I, I need to start over on this thing. I kind of messed it up, but I just need to start over again. But here's what you may need. You may just need some agreement for your own children. And we're all in this together, guys. We're all in this together. So as we get ready to worship, I, would, I, I just strongly agree, just get your hands in the air. Close your eyes. And whatever you're believing God for, whatever you're needing God for, believe him for this while we sing this song. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.